0: Hi, I'm Vivek. Uh, I am co-founder and CEO of PlayShipu. We are, we are a company which focuses on early learning and kids in the age group of three to well to create experiences and products for them that can change our future.
1: It is well established that the best way for children to learn is by playing. This is what led to the birth of the gamification movement in EdTech. In this episode of the Founder Thesis Podcast, your host Akshay Dutt is talking with Vivek Goyal, the co-founder of PlayShifu. Play Shifu is in the business of creating immersive learning experiences for children through games that merge digital technology with physical objects. This extremely unique approach has helped them create hit games which sell like hot cakes across the world. In this conversation, Vivek talks about the journey of discovering product market fit and taking a modular approach to product development by building platforms instead of standalone games. He shares important insights about how they have scaled their sales and marketing at a global level and the path to hit a 100 million dollars in revenue listen on and if you like such insightful conversations with disruptive startup founders then do subscribe to the founder thesis podcast on any audio streaming app
2: i was pretty attached to
0: logic and logical things is what i felt i was more attracted to early on whether it was a mechanical or electrical whatever i saw when i saw my path of fixing things I was naturally attracted towards going and seeing why he was doing what he was doing and the way he was fixing things. So that was a mindset. And then by the time I kind of graduated, did my schooling, I was clear that I wanted to do something around mechanical or electrical. That's what my initial thought process was. So engineering kind of came in the blood uh, through, through what my father did uh, around the house and, and um, uh, used to visit his uh, substations where he used to work on electrical maintenance and new power lines. So I was exposed to a lot of that early on. Yeah, so that's early life, which led to me kind of trying to crack IIT and, and getting into KGP with an electrical as a subject. So that triggered my more of a formal studies journey from there on. When I got exposed to computer science and coding at KGP, that was my first exposure to computers, first. say. and loved the whole digital world that sits inside and the power that it entailed. But I had chosen by then electrical, so I kind of pursued my Almost minor in computer science and a major in electrical engineering. But by the time I I came out of KGP, it was clear that digital products or computer science-based world is where I foresee doing something. The choice I had to make was amongst available choices. And general, general project management is what I chose and joined Procter & Gamble at that point of time. To pursue my career and, and building blogs. At PNG, I was more in supply chain division where PNG was going through massive expansion for their multiple categories, Femcare and babycare. This is basically FEMCare products and baby care products like Pampus. So I was in the operations vertical helping PNG scale operations. It was clear now that I want to go back into the software management product world or creative world where we can create things. And consumer is something that I, after P&G, one thing was clear that I loved the whole P&G way of looking at consumers and designing for consumers and the need. So that's something that I really connected ben with. So I wanted to do more of that, but more from a computer science world perspective. So I decided to choose Silicon Valley as my next step. And what all the options was, I, I decided to go with an MBA with Stanford uh, as the next stepping stones. I chose to do my own startup there, which was the most enriching experience uh, I could have done. Primarily because what I wanted to do was to do something of my own. That thought process was clear. It was a, a cross vertical product rental play, which gave you connecting small businesses who were renting out for short term needs with people who wanted them over a platform. So this could be sports rental or electronics rental or party rent rentals from ranging from six hours two, three days of rentals. So what ERP was doing for houses, we wanted to do it for non-houses categories, other categories. So that was a play. I then joined eBay uh, in eBay headquarters in San Jose because one of my seniors from Stanford was running a startup inside eBay called eBay Now. So eBay Now is exactly like Grofers, hyper hyperlocal e-commerce play. This was back in 2014, just not fresh, but non-fresh category. So eBay already was, so Amazon, Obviously, it was the e-commerce leader, but eBay was sizably big in terms of e-commerce. And this was one of the ways that they wanted to differentiate thing that we can get you something delivered in 45 minutes if you want it. Just that it was too big a platform to experiment. So we created an eBay now as a separate product and aggregated sellers based on their geolocation, and users were allowed to order based on their location. And we created a valet system layer which can route the orders and, and get the delivery happen. So I was the senior product manager responsible for end-to-end experience and ended up creating it, launching it across six cities in the US. Scaled it to about a million users, a million transactions on the platform, if, before which it was absorbed into eBay.com as a core feature uh-huh. and it still lives there. So it was very enriching and especially because we operated as a startup. So at the, after the first startup and which I had to end abruptly, it was heartbreaking, but knew that I have to go back and do that. I just used... That experience as a stepping stone to learn something new uh, and work under somebody who I can learn and learn from. But the moment that was decided it will be absorbed into ebay.com, I knew that I don't want to work in another org. Having worked in PhD, I already learned how large-scale systems and orgs are built. I didn't want to do that journey again. So it was the right time for me to kind of jump in again. I wanted to build in India and build for India and probably for the world from here. That was my vision. But but for that fact, I've been in touch with Dinesh for long now. So Dinesh was my batchmate at ID and we also worked at PNG together. So we have been friends for quite long. So we were in discussions throughout a journey of what he, he post PNG joined Delivery, which was, and he was the first guy outside the founding team at Delivery. So, he actually had an experience of growing startup right from, let's say, day one to a half a billion dollar valuated company in four and a half years. He had quite an initial experience in from-
2: operations early in delivery.
0: Yes. So, sales operation okay. business that's what he did. So, he also got phenomenal experience and grew in confidence. So, by the time I had done my eBay stint, he completed four and a half years at delivery. So we were just at the right time. And when we're saying that I'm thinking of coming back and he's saying that I'm thinking of now doing something, we just, it made sense for us to show thanks. And the skills were complementary. I had completely gone deep into tech and product management in the Valley. He was very confident on ops, business scaling, business development. So it was perfectly complimenting in terms of what we have wanted to do and use our skills to scale. So that's how we came together.
2: And like, uh, how did the, product idea or the business idea get formulated? Did you go through a couple of ideas before finalizing on place? Yeah, the typical process, right? So we were very sure that we want to work together.
0: That was actually, that was the clarity we had. Now, what is something that we want to traverse together? We went through probably about a period of two to three months going from vertical to vertical landscape. But after a certain time, we were clear that if we just evaluate a vertical from an outside perspective, we will never feel passionately about solving that problem. So it was extremely analytical analysis of putting in a spot to figure out whether this opportunity is right, but never connect from heart uh, about the space. So ultimately decided, let's put a ground rule saying that if we personally have, that should, be the, that should be at least rule number one. Otherwise, we'll not evaluate an opportunity. And both of us were clear that we wanted to consume consumer If we have come across, then at least let's evaluate that deeply. Ended up analyzing, but one thing that we ended up landing on was uh, this early education or education per se. We felt the way we went through early schooling, at least till grade six, seven, where we didn't know what we loved. We didn't know that we loved maths or science or bio or law. Another thing we connected strongly with, nobody told us opportunities are things that are possible based on the paths, right? So they were, and it's an infamous thing, right? either you're a doctor or an engineer, but the world is now so <laughs> yeah. open. Yeah, right? The world is now so open that at when you are a, in 8th grade, if somebody comes and tells you that you have a big, huge career in front of you, if you have art in your mind or design in your mind, they would have chosen differently. They would have chosen differently. We need eleven, twelve. We need a design or an art as a vertical versus commerce or a science. We need to separate out science and maths to a certain extent. And we need to... Design for these, right? There's law as a choice now, which helps so many startups. So they understand that legal framework, IP framework, is something that you can create an edge on if you design it early on. So this is something that is completely missing, right? So that was another exploration that we did. We wanted to break free from the traditional model, which is heavily competitive, exam-based, and in score and heavily driven by ultimate CTC that you get in the final year. So if it is computer science, that's what you connect the dot all the way to the grade A. So we wanted to break free from that. And so two ways we thought of this or very early age where we say that if we can make an impact and make you realize that you actually love design or you actually love logic, not maths. Maths is a one level up. If you go below one level, you ultimately love logic or you love creativity or you love exploration at your heart. If we can make you aware of that and then let you give you opportunities to grow from there, you will ultimately take the right decisions when you are at different point of decision making. So that what connected with us because we had a son who was four years old. I just had a son who was just a toddler. So thinking of ways to explore their mind when they can't speak or they can't articulate is what we felt. Yeah, let's go with this opportunity as a minds. That's where we doubled down on and started started thinking about.
2: How did you merge the two together, the physical and the digital? What was product one? Maybe you can, through the journey of building product one, you can help me understand.
0: Sure. So the first ever product that we designed, which was before the formal launch of the brand, was was a hypothesis that we'll take every NCRT book out there and convert it to an AR book where we will scan every page and since we understood the concept, we'll create a 3D animation of that concept. And when you take a mobile phone and scan that page, we will load a 3D version of that. So that was our first hypothesis. Every single page, since it's boring to read text and understand, we will convert into a small movie then and there for you on demand. So that was the hypothesis. The first one, the vision was grand, but we understood that it was extremely difficult for us to create an end-to-end product in this range, given that we would have to convert all the books to be meaningful for the whole ecosystem. And we still have to create an end-to-end product which parents can rely on. Otherwise, we have a B2B product. A school will have to buy us or somebody else will have to buy it. For a consumer product, we have to wrap it around as an end-to-end solution to their needs, which is, let's say, science learning or math learning, which is not something that we wanted to gain on because then we will have to do assessments and whether they remembered or not. So we didn't have to go that part. So we then kind of try to apply it to a younger mind and say that, okay, let's do what a four-year-old do plays with. They don't play with book or learn with books. They rather play with toys. So let's go to the toy world and see what book format existed in the toy and then convert that. So the storybooks that they had, smaller slash books that they had, we, start, we thought of converting them as a product. And then we thought, okay, then we'll have to design our physical product ourselves. So we designed a physical storybook then added the AR component and the digital component via mobile to that. And we started selling it individually in tech parks and societies by putting a stall up and started selling it. And we got...
2: Can you describe... We got one of
0: those... uh, Yeah. Can you describe some of those products? What were they? Yeah. So, for example, we created an anatomy book which was 20 pages of a small book, A3 size, which had all the organs as different pages. And we said that, okay, this is a heart. This is what it does. This is how it works. Just how you see it in the books. But then... When you downloaded that app and scanned the heart, 3D heart loaded up and the bluish blood kind of entered and the heart was pumping in. The air was coming in from the lungs and it was cleaning the blue blood and the red pure blood was being pumped out of the arteries into the rest of the world. So you could see the blood flow and the purification and this all through a semi-cut section of a heart in a 3D format. So that was what we did. Uh, So the feedback we got, a lot of parents of seven years, eight years old took that book and experimented. None of the three, four years old took because the content was a little too heavy for them. But what we got a sense from is there is a strong appetite to convert small real world things into a more immersive experience so that the kid can absorb and retain it. Parents were looking for how do I take a real world concept? and create something around it so that my kid can retain it. So that's thing we pick up from there and then created a set of flashcards.
2: Uh, you created like a very small batch of this just as a like a test run. Yeah. This was not like a no, commercial launch. Yeah.
0: We created only 100 books of these and we gave it away for 20-30 rupees each just to get feedback and most of them talked to us. We knew this would be doing it in societies that we lived in and one of the tech parks that our, one of our employees earlier uh, had somebody to, well, they're working. So we did this and this. But then when we knew what we wanted to make as a commercialized product, that's when we created a small brand under which we wanted to launch it officially. And the brand was chief. And the first commercial product that we made was a series of flashcards in thieves. So animal flashcards, vehicle flashcards, and jobs flash or space flashcards. These three series flashcards we made, which you can scan with our app and a 3D animated Concept would come up and you can play with it, learn from it. So this is what a commercialized product first version looked like, which created an umbrella brand called Shifu. The Shifu Animals and Shifu Space and Shifu Travel is what the name of the products were. And we created these as 60 card sets and boxes in which we, the same, we priced it at, at 700 rupees. And we started going to every tech park where they used to do events and fairs, every society where fair was happening and started selling it there at 700 rupees.
2: Yeah, And like, why not list on Amazon and try that way? Like uh, you wanted to interact with customers and actually get a feel of what people are asking and so on. Absolutely.
0: So what we could, when we were selling on counters, we were actually taking down their mobile number and immediately sending them a high on WhatsApp. Thank you for purchasing. So we were creating a channel for direct communication with every single sale that we were doing because we wanted to understand whether this is scalable or not and uh, whether we have done the product right or not. So that's why the first... Actually, 3,000, 5,000 pieces that we sold through all of these, we had those numbers added to on our WhatsApp and directly reachable to us.
2: Okay. And when was this? Uh, when you launched commercially with the seafood brand? We launched uh, the Flashcard
0: series. End of 2016, somewhere around October 2016, and is when we did this and did this for four months or all till January, where we had enough conviction that everywhere we went, we sold out whatever we took. We we're getting phenomenal feedback from the parents. Whatever feedback, critique we got, we were able to iterate the app to take care of the critique. And uh, we knew that we have to. List. So, your question on listing on Amazon, we ended up listing on Amazon by February, March, because the product uh, was managed enough to start selling yes.
2: there. Okay, okay, got it. How did you fund developing the product? Because y- you would need to hire really talented, probably Unity developers. I guess is what you would need to create this, or at least like animators who can do this. Yeah. So, so how did you fund that? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So before before this, when we had the vision of doing books or the anatomy, one of uh, uh, example, that I... Talked about the initial that is something that I built personally myself. And we then based on that, we got a couple of slur devs to come join us on obviously no salary basis, but for the vision part of it, which we then created a more stable tech stack that could power the experiences. I just built a very hacky version of the consumer experience. And then we went to raise our angel round. So 2016 is when we raised our angel round of about two crores, if I remember correctly, which allowed us to hire a team of 10 people, a couple of devs, and six content creators on the 3D side, because that was the primary driver of experience. Uh, and that's that was the team of initial 10 that we did. Okay, okay, okay,
2: got it, okay. Tell me 17 or sixteen, seventeen must have been like fairly low revenue, right? Because you just launched your first product and maybe you would have touched color by the end of that year or something like that, or maybe less.
0: Yeah, revenue were negligible. I don't even remember the number, but it was negligible because we came on the roadmap from a global perspective in 2017. So... When we started thinking about what do we do from here? How do we create a company out of this? Because a series of flashcards is not something that is going to cut the thing. And when we researched beyond India, we believed it would be a hard sell to price it lucrative enough for us to give a business. So there were two thought processes after this. One is the tactile part of play in the flashcard is too minimal, right? It's just flashcards, you just place it. The digital part was overwhelming, right? This was more stronger in the play. So we want to balance it off. We wanted more tactile and balance of the tactile and the visual play. And second, we wanted to create a product which could have a global appeal. Now, obviously, we didn't have funds enough to spend another six months to do this. So what we did was, let's first come up with a vision of something that that achieves these two objectives. So... Through, again, the stellar initial code 10 team that we had, we came up with the concept of an AR globe, which was basically a globe which you can scan any part and then the same interaction that was happening on flashcard is now laid on a sphere through scanning of different parts of the globe. So the tech stack was scalable. We could use the same tech stack on this and look, we could come up with so many use cases, which was basically the whole encyclopedia that we have in books. We could convert it into such amazing things because everything is tied to geography, right? So where is it? How is it? And we could just do it in an amazingly well turned interaction. So we came up with the concept. We created a small video via prototype. And we thought, how do we validate this, whether this could be a big thing or not? And that's what we got exposed to Kickstart, which is a crowdfunding platform in the US. Saying that if we put it on this and we get enough Yes, responses, we would know that this is something that we want to build. Plus, it will give us some cash to actually build it out. In March of 2017, we ended up putting it on Kickstarter and we got a phenomenal response. We could raise $100,000 through 2,000 2, backers, but more importantly, 2,000 backers across 150 15 countries backed it. So, that was a huge confidence push that we are on the right track. This is what we should be doing. And uh, money was enough for six, seven months to build this out. We doubled down on execution from there.
2: I want to understand Kickstarter better. I've not yet really interviewed any other founder who grew through Kickstarter. I'm guessing that maybe only a single digit percentage of products listed there would really cross that 100,000 mark. What are the secrets to that? How did you manage to do that?
0: Yeah, no, I think it's not a a sex science that you can recreate it. In fact, we did One more Kickstarter, that which was not as successful as that. And we have seen a bunch of Kickstarters in front of us, which we thought the product is great, but did did not work out the way. So there's varying level of success across products. But I think what works is, so first of all, the Kickstarter community is extremely tech heavy. It's followed by tech passionate people who loves new tech and new products around tech and have disposable income to actually back these projects irrespective of whether they're going to get back or not. So 70% of backers on Kickstarter do not back for the reason that I'm going to get that product. Primarily, they back it because they love the concept and they wanted to see the day of the light. And as an added benefit, they will get the product, right? So it's the heart of the community is because they want to innovate. They want to allow innovation to foster. So parents in general are less, right? They're only about 20% of the Kickstarter community are parents. Because generally parents... Whatever you say in the middle class economy, do not have such high disposable income to kind of spend on early age or uh, either you are early in your career or later in your career where you tend to give back to the community a lot more. So if you are making a product for the kids, you are generally not going to hit those numbers of raising a million on Kickstarter. Those are meant for high tech products where, you know techies are buying for themselves. But 100k is a huge success for a Kickstarter. A 50k is a decent success for a kid's product, I would say, on Kickstarter. What clicks there is, did you get a pulse on whether what you created is an innovation in in front of every parent that you can showcase? So before going to Kickstarter, if you can show it to 20, 30 parents and get their response, if they say, that yeah, this is nice, I would probably have this. Or if you get, wow, when can I get it? If you get more wows, then you know that when somebody sees it for five seconds, they would be, there was a chance of conversion. So you need to get those signals before you land on Kickstarter through your video only, that you can't describe too much. You just have to share a video and get that sense. So that is something that we did. Another thing is after landing on Kickstarter, it's not just the end of the deal, right? You have to get it in front of the eyes. And you don't typically you don't have money to run ads on because you are doing a Kickstarter to raise funds. So you have to figure out organic ways for this to spread. Passionate communities on Facebook or Reddit where you post a genuine post and people react to it, spreads the word, gets more people to share. Those are the kind of things that you have to do. Okay, okay. okay. Got it.
2: Interesting. Okay.
0: And uh, what did you price it at on the Kickstarter? So we priced it at about $35-$40, which was 25-30% discount to our retail price that we were
2: thinking. Okay, got it. Okay, so then what? You got hundred thousand dollars from Kickstarter. Tell me like how it evolved after that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so we started, we, I think, hired about five to 10 people more. The amount of content that we had envisioned for going on boot which was a product name that the AR globe that we had thought of, was humongous, right? So we had we scraped our way somehow through ways, consulting, interns, everything that we did to create the amount of content and made sure that we launched the product by
2: October. So we ended up doing that. Yeah, yeah give me an example of the sure. content. Like say I scan Nepal, what would I see? Yep. So if you,
0: so we chose about 70 odd countries, 60 to 70 odd countries in our first go. We did not convert the whole globe, but region specific, we had enough density. In Asia, for example, we had covered India, China, South Korea, Japan, Thailand in, in our first go. But we covered like about 10 odd countries, 15 odd countries in every continent to make sure that the content is spread across and progressively had plans to release, keep on adding countries as we do app updates. In an example, if you scan Japan, you would see five categories of content. You could choose to learn about cuisine, food about that country. So if you choose cuisine, you would see sushi as one of the items. It would be a 3D sushi on top of Japan on the globe. So when you click on it, you would see a 3D sushi and the recipe of how it is made and history behind it. When was it invented? And a quiz, the trivia that what goes in sushi. So things like these that you can play around. So your understanding and learning of sushi would really be deep. Because it's an attack from multiple places to, for you to understand what Sushi is. That's an example of what Gold Bank
2: on. Okay, okay. So you spent a couple of months to get this content ready and you launched it. And then you shipped it to the people who had backed it.
0: We spent six months to actually build it out. And yes, we shipped it out to 2,000 people who backed it. But we also came about to the end of our runway in terms of what we had raised from from Kickstarter. So. We had to raise more and that's when we went out into the market to talk to venture capital from SHO, early stage investors and uh, got pretty strong interest in the, in our first two, three weeks of meeting people. And uh, at that point of time, Chirate led uh, our seed round. They came in and we raised we raised a 1.25 million round of seed round of capital to further build us out.
2: Okay, then. this would be around 2017 by the time the funds would have come. End of 2017, yes. Okay, okay, got it, okay. Okay. And then what? Did you decide to do more for the West, for the global market? Or what was the strategy after that once the Chiratev funding Nick came in?
0: Yeah. So I think while we were building our boot as a product, we 100% kept our focus in terms of content to be global in nature, which meant we will not. Voiceovers that we had inside the app were a mix of American and European, which let's say a kid in India could also understand. The content and the language was in, in a sense, the sentence formation was correct. Duh. We stayed away from knowledge which was not politically correct from a country's perspective. So we kept global picture in mind while building the content. And we doubled down on that product method to say that, yes, we will only build uh, global correct content. Uh, and that's what has been powered in the last next four years after term.
2: Okay. And beyond our book, like when did you go beyond our book? So 2018,
0: when we did the 2017 launch and 2018, when we came to it, our first focus on how do we figure out market to sell? Because we had done Kickstarter, we created it, shipped it out. Now it was time to test real waters. Like Moment of truth came where we start placing it in retail and customers could, when they did not have the video in front of them and what no description, just a box, packaging, did it sell automatically. So 2018 went into perfecting art of selling it in retail, both online and offline. And our first year of sale came in 2018 and we did quite well in, in the first year with a single product which was only on but that put us on the roadmap that we can do big numbers with a single product. What if, if we have a suit of products? So 2018 end of it we started thinking about how do we now create multiple products and we had suddenly multiple ideas. We wanted to create something in early maths based on number series and counting and addition basics of addition. Then we also wanted to do something in literacy English, right? So how do we teach kids or get kids excited about THE and spelling of ball? That's what Wall wanted to do. Now, these were a variety of ideas. How do we get them in a physical format and a digital format is something that was extremely tough. So that's where we ended up innovating and creating the platform Clugo, which was a more versatile platform where you can do any physical format. Just like Nintendo, if you remember 90s Nintendos, there was a console. And you put in a Mario cassette and you're playing Mario game. Then you remove it and put a can- contra cassette and you're playing contra as a game. So the variability it provided in digital content, we wanted a variability on the physical content side, which is a way tougher challenge. So we ended up creating Flobo as a platform which has a magnetic play area, which could take any kind of physical format for magnetic play area. And ended up creating count, which is a number space experience, and tunes, which is a music experience and link, which is a logical building block experience, with a uh, corresponding digital play. There was a digital play connected to it. And this time, we had to create a new stack because in Orboot, the technological innovation we did was use the camera feed, understand what part of the globe are the kids pointing to, and load 3D animated content there. But in Plugo, now we are using front camera because we are putting the device in front of you. So we can't use back camera because there's nothing in the back, right? So we're using front camera now and selfie camera and using that to figure out how kids are playing with physical stuff like numbers and musical keys and track that consistently in variety of backgrounds. You can be wearing any t-shirt or you can have bright lit sun behind you. The AR should still work. So that was a technological challenge that we had to overcome. And this was the precisely the time we beefed off our tech team to be strong enough to kind of pull this off.
2: Okay, before I go a bit deeper on, what was your go-to market for Orboot? Did you place it on shelves in India or did you actually get global distribution?
0: We started with India because we could make inroads in our local market way faster. So we got into a meeting with the Toys R Us India head, after which we got into Hamlet's meeting. These meetings were easier for us. And once we demoed Orboot, It was a no-brainer. So the product led to conversions itself. We just have to knock the doors and get our put into the door, beyond which products start going into the shelves easily. But from shelves to end consumer sales was another iteration. We had to iterate on packaging and communication a couple of times before throughput was fast enough that retailers started shelving everywhere. So that's what our learning was. Another learning was we went into modern retail as well as normal retail in Thai 2, 3 cities also together. And we burnt our hands in, in Thai 2, 3 cities because the device penetration was not ready there. So the product did not move on the shelf. Whereas in Mumbai, Delhi, Bangalore, it was moving like left, right, center. We understood that we have to take it slow. And as the device penetration in kids' life, the device penetration was high among self-users, but kids were not exposed yet. So it was too early for Thai 2, Thai 3 cities.
2: Okay, Okay. and like for the unorganized retail, how did you do that? Did you have distributors tie up and like that traditional yeah. so channel? We, we
0: tied up a okay. couple of distributors, couple of distributors too. That's another thing that we learned that while you're building your brand initially, where the messaging around the brand and the brand's, the emotion that the brand evokes, if you're still iterating on that, you should have touch points to the ad retailers and the consumers they are selling to. You should have the direct communication channel going to retail too soon when you are still evolving your brand just makes you blind because you don't know why it is not selling or why it is selling. So you can't accelerate on things on why it is selling and you can't cut down on things which are the reasons of not selling. So keeping touch points closer to you so that you yourself as a user or let's say your friends can go to the shop and observe and give you feedback. If you go into a remote city where you have known nobody and distributor has already placed 10 of your products across 100 retail stores, and they have not moved much in two months, you will have no data point of why they're not moving. So that's one thing that we learned is you need to keep, initially you need to, your end sale points
2: closer to you. Got it. Got it. Okay. Interesting. And what did you price or would at in India? In India, we priced it at uh,
0: 199 So it was 2,000 rupees.
2: Okay. Which is quite reasonable for something of that nature. Okay. Got it. Got right. it. And marketplaces also you launched and, and that was also in India or did you launch globally also marketplaces? Yeah, so we launched
0: in, in, in India with Flipkart and Amazon. But Amazon at that time was pushing a new program called Global Selling Program, which they wanted sellers out of India or product creators out of India to sell globally because they wanted cross-border cross commerce to increase for them as an Amazon as a platform. So that team loved our product and they wanted to make a case study out of us So they took us to all the Amazons around the world and we had significant selling throughput on all those Amazons. So it it became a huge success story inside Amazon. And that kind of led our kind of growth journey from there on, where every product we launched, we ended up launching all Amazons across the world. And
2: that was a big launchback for us. So uh, how did you scale up manufacturing? Because it's a physical product also that you're shipping here. And while making a small run would have been manageable, but how did you scale it up? Did you build in-house? Did you have contract manufacturers? How did you build that supply chain?
0: Yeah. So I think this is something that since we, from PNG days, both Dinesh and I have been doing it. So this was something we knew how to do it. We just needed to build a small team, couple of people who could do the legwork, because heavy legwork is required in this. So Initially, the first vendor we found out, we sat out of palghar which is outside Mumbai, because we found a vendor, Globe, Globe Manufacturer there. And we sat with him to create the, the initial iterations of boot and the right print, spent so many hours there. But we figured out that, yes, we can achieve quality after spending a lot of time, but scale is still a problem. If suddenly we get an order of 10,000 units, it will take months to produce here. So we had to go to China, unfortunately, or, or whatever you say. But in 2017, there was no other option for you to create that. So we ended up going to China spending months there to partner with the right people and uh, set up the right quality for all boot and then set up the whole system where then remotely we can just place an order and the batch gets ready. So did that exercise but it was a one time effort that we did beyond which the team could sustain new product development and designing here in India and then taking it to China to get it manufactured for the world.
2: Okay amazing okay and uh, what kind of numbers were you doing for our boot, like like monthly sales volume or top line or whatever?
0: In 2017, I would say we did a total of about, in terms of sales, we did somewhere around 15 to 16 CR in total. That was the first year of our boot. So it was phenomenal for us. But it was a little seasonal also. You can't really divide it into month basis because in the West, toys as a category sell a lot in November, December when there is Thanksgiving and holiday and Christmas. So a lot of gifting happens. So it was
2: a little seasonal in nature, but yeah, that's our first year of scale. Yeah, okay, 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 correct. Uh, tell me about blue is There's like a magnetic mat, like a hard mat on which the toys can be placed magnetically. Or oh, like, how, how does it work? Correct. So it's mat which is foldable mat. You expand it.
0: It has a device housing area because. For Plugo's interaction, what we wanted was the front camera to be very stable. It should not be moving, it should not be tinted, we wanted it in a perfect angle. For that, we had to create a perfect housing for the device so that based and, on and the device it
2: would be a phone uh, or a tablet device. For for both.
0: It, was, it could okay. be both. Okay. Anything with a selfie camera works. We ended up creating a whole housing structure where you place the device and it sits perfectly in the right angle we want. Now that's defined. Now, the second big criteria was the playing area where kids actually use these toys that we created, small pieces. That should not be too far away. Otherwise, it's very small in the camera field. So, we wanted it at the right distance from the camera. So, we had to lock that distance. So, we designed a mat which had a certain distance between the playing area and the device and kept the device in a perfectly suited position. And hence, we could create this whole system of gameplay area.
2: Okay, so there's like a non-magnetic zone. Exactly. That, uh, naturally. Just for distance purposes. Yes. Uh, got, it, got it. So got there's it. a magnetic zone and, where your toys knock hmm. in. Does the magnet serve a dual purpose of like recognizing what device is placed on it? through sir. I don't know. Uh, or is it the recognition is purely through the video feed? Exactly. So we have the magnet
0: has no sense other than the physical design format and locking and creating a system of where to place things. But our intelligence completely sat in the computer vision part. So we looked at the computer, feed, uh, the, the camera feed and processed it to understand whether it's our toy piece or it's a shirt having a pattern which is not really our toy.
2: And so tell me how it progressed in terms of your revenue, your go-to market, your product range. So Plugo, you lost in 2018, right? 2019. 2018, we 2019. started designing it. Okay. And
0: 2019, summer is when we launched Plugo. And by the time holiday season arrived, which is October, November, December of the year, we had four four different products. And the Powerboat was an individual product. It was not a platform. So it was an individual product. But Plugo, our vision was always a platform. So we launched it with four unique products. There was a Plugo count on maths. There was a Plugo letters on English. There was a Plugo tunes, which was on music, piano learning. And there was pure Plugo link, which was more of a logical reasoning kit. So we entered 2019 holiday season with five products, all boot and four on Clugo, And big uh, phenomenally, we did roughly 3x of what we did now the year before. And that paved our pathway into 2020, where our methodology was set, right? Our products are winners. Whenever a parent and a kid plays with it, they absolutely love it. We need to, Go more in front of the eyes wherever parents are making purchase decision or uh, in the other way route, we need to create awareness that if you are not making a purchase decision right now, we have something breakthrough. So try it out and it's very cheap. $50 to $60 is not a big deal for our kids learning the progress. So that's the two parts we double down on, one with the marketing team, one with the sales and distribution team and why the product engine was mature enough to start thinking about, okay, now we have done five products for five different skills. How do we take other skills like memory or moral values or environment science and start thinking about them with different interactions?
2: So uh, Pluvo is a modular platform. The housing and the magnetic board needs to be bought only once. And then the things that you put on it, uh, those uh, can be a variety of and, and those would probably be therefore making total cost of ownership also cheaper because sure. uh, you're buying the housing board only once. And, and each of these units would cost about $50, 60 uh, is what you're saying.
0: Yeah. So first time when you buy with the game plan, it's $60 for you. But when you mm-hmm. want to add the second physical product onto Plumo, it's mm-hmm. only $35. Mm-hmm. So your second purchase okay. decision is relatively easier. Since yeah, you already
2: up yeah. the system, adding is... Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That, that is very organic upselling also. Amazing. Okay. Okay. And so uh, tell me about how you doubled down on both of these, like the branding, marketing side and the sales and distribution side. And this doubling down you did pre-COVID uh, or this was post-COVID, like w- when you thought about that, okay, now's the time to press the pedal on sales and marketing.
0: So I think we we did it in two phases. In 2019, we ended up raising a series A of about 7 million, which was the first big amount of money that we raised, which had some budget kept aside for creating the brand impact. It was not. Still not big enough, but it was a decent amount for us to start forming our hypothesis of how to build. So that was 2019. And we spent, pre-COVID, we spent doing experimentation on some of the channels like Instagram videos and YouTube videos for brand. And influencers who are ex-teachers and ex-moms and dads who are passionate about this whole early learning as a concept. Telling, playing with our products and posting a video on Instagram as a review. So these were our first foray into creating awareness organically uh, also on the channels that we were selling really well on for example amazon or Hamlet stores we started spending small amounts to create brand impact right so brand visibility in banners and creating a shelf which was a pos uh, in, in retail things like this we started spending a little bit of money on so that's not just the product which is selling it's also the brand impact that is getting created mm-hmm. so okay. that was our initial okay. steps in 2019
2: Okay, okay. And like what happened once COVID hit? Did it impact your supply chain? It actually, it was all phased out, right? So when first COVID hit, the first
0: five months was humongous amount of demand. Kids got locked. Toy category saw a huge surge because parents wanted to engage their kids. Inside toy category, category to do with learning saw the biggest surge because they wanted to continue the home learning and everybody became homeschool for Sydney or by choice, whatever you say, but it, it suddenly saw a huge spike and we had built up inventory for the holiday season. We used up that kind of inventory for the uptick in demand from April of 2020 to about July of 2020. But then we started falling short in inventory. So we started creating more, but ultimately that holiday season, 2020, we could not meet the whole demand. We left about 30 to 40 percent on the table because we just could not produce wow. at the fast pace enough.
2: Because but then China was like uh, there were shutdowns in China because of absolutely absolutely and we we still hasn't
0: haven't created our strategy of building in India for the global level. So we're not producing in India enough level to, to supply So we basically had to shut production for four months, but the built-up inventory is what we supplied with in the moving uh, production opened up, we created and manufactured quickly, but we could not have time to ship by sea, which is the cheapest method of shipping. So we had to use air, which was very expensive, just to meet the demand, whatever we could see, but ended up losing on demand also, as, as well as burning on their shipments. So yeah, that, that's what happened in 2020 holiday season. But entering into 2021, we were pretty clear that we have to create another supply base. And hence, we doubled down on our manufacturing and energy. And thankfully, India was going through a massive shift of build in India, also make in India. So a lot of we, we found a lot of good business connects which were willing to import machinery, skin up to create a new category of products, mold making, which was typically an extremely painful exercise in India—six months and lots of errors—became a lot more educative and three to four months in exercise. So things were very positive, and hence we were able to localize all of our products in India in six to seven months by focusing and now we have every product being made in India and China both and we can supply from India also
2: mm-hmm. to the world. Okay uh, the uh, mold that gets made for your products is there something that you pay for or you pay per piece and the manufacturer recovers the cost of the mold from
0: no so there in something there is basically it's subsidized so it's a, we pay for an upfront cost capital cost for the mold but it's not the actual cost of the mold. So there is a the lock in that you will place, continue to place orders, which was more of a verbal commitment because China is in more of an evolved ecosystem. So they don't contractually kind of ask you to place these many orders. But they know that if you place these many orders, the rest of the cost will be, will be recovered.
2: So it's, I would say, half an hour. Okay, okay, okay. Got it, got it. Okay, okay. And why? So, what is the constraint to scaling up manufacturing in India? That do you need more molds or do you need more factory space and workers who are trained to produce? No, I'm just trying to understand that manufacturing bit of it.
0: So first of all, you have to create a mold. Mold creation is a machining process which requires you to have one that kind of machine which can create mold. And the knowledge of mold baking process is, is a little different. You have to understanding of which mold will suit the right, for example... When you create a complex 3D shape, you have to do the mold design right because if you design a mold and you inject it with liquid plastic and with the plastic forms, you will not be able to take it out of the mold because of the way you design the mold. So you have to create such that you can take it out of the mold easily. So that kind of designing has to happen which is typically called cross-section designing for easy takeout. And that every single square in China can do that. right? They know how to do that. Second thing is, The machining process requires you to understand the software knowledge of it, how to do the CAD designing for the mold-making process to happen. That is something which is inherently because of two decades of making there in China. So that's a learning process which you have to get the team to skill up on. So you have to invest initially in that. Second part is the mold-making machines are expensive. So you have to capital investment on that. Then once you create a mold, that becomes a capital asset. So... Now the machine for using the mold and creating parts out of it is a separate machine that you have to invest on. And ultimately QC, right? QC is another big process thing, which uh, manufacturer, contract manufacturers have to understand that the printing is shifting. For us, if the print shifts by one, one millimeter, the AR goes off because AR is precise between the designing of the print. So for us, that precision is very important. So achieving that in the print on top of a physical product... So it's a complicated end-to-end process without any electronics involved, by the way, right? If you have an electronic component inside your product, that's a different category of manufacturing altogether.
2: So you need like a deep-pocketed vendor to really scale it up in India. Yeah, it's a
0: deep-pocketed as well as a vision that if they do this, there is a humongous scope. So right now, India, toy industry is small, right? But the partners that we partnered with thought it from a more of a manufacturing industry perspective that... If we partner with these guys and create these products, which are very specific on certain specifications, I would then be able to go to let's say interior design industry, or I would home products, right? Or kitchen products. And I could create innovative products here and there without copying from somewhere else, without asking for bold from some coming from somewhere else. So that vision to, to be some with someone, those who have money and the vision is the right partner for you to have to scale manufacturing it.
2: So I guess uh, when you have a new product, tell me about your new product development process. You you must have by now built a playbook on how products are developed. Uh, I'd love to hear that whole process. Yeah. So I think we start
0: with the skill first, which skill we are trying to create a product on. That's the core of it. So either we can go with advanced maths because we have the basic fundamental maths already created on. Let's go to a little advanced concepts, which are, let's say, multiplication and division. If you're creating a product on that, then we think of, okay, now what's the tactile interaction that can enable the best learning? Now we have two sets. We have not talked about TACTO, which is our latest launch, but it's a very different interaction. Then. So we first decide which tactile interaction best suits this skill, whether it's Plugo or a TACTO interaction. If we decide, let's say it's Plugo interaction, then we say that, okay, which age group are the right fit for this skill learning? Is it five-year-old, six-year-old, three-year-old? If they are three-year-old, we need to keep tactile for the skills that they already motor skills that they already have. The pieces have to be a little bigger. The print on it has to be a little bigger. But if it is five and six-year-old, they have better motor skills. So we can go finer. We can put together two pieces which are fine in intersection. So that determines our tactile designing around it. Now, another constraint is the AR part of it. We cannot go very small. Otherwise, the print on it will not be visible to the camera feed. So... The AR determines whether you can go to a piece which is 1cm big or a 3 centimeter big. So accordingly, we basically design. And then we create very small prototypes by spending, let's say, $500,000 and test it out with kids. We have a huge batch of ambassadors, kids who love to test out products, very early version of it, whether it's laser cut or 3D printed. They just love trying up new prototypes. out. So they give us the feedback whether I was not able to understand what these products are or how to connect these two things. And we trade about 20 times before we confirm and finalize the design of the product.
2: You have 3D printers in your product development lab or like a laser cutting machine, which... Yes, we have have multiple 3D 3D printers
0: uh, and uh, we have contacts with laser cutting who do the laser cutting part for us, but 3D printers we have in-house,
2: yes. Amazing, okay. Okay, so once you decide, okay, this has got good acceptance from the users, then what? Then comes the content part of it. Commercialized,
0: yeah. So I think the second part of it is content part of it. First, we make sure that the physical part of it is in line with users' motor skills and interaction paradigm. Second, come is digital games. So each product that you buy comes with about seven to eight digital games. Each of them have different character stories. So this is the cycle where we put our Disney hat on, per se. Right, we have to come up with stories and charming narratives which have right values that we are passing to the kids. It has the learning embedded in it. So this is where the digital content team, both learning content as well as the visual content comes together and multiple teams. We form about four or five teams to come up with multiple concepts and create those games. That takes about four or five months. While the mold making and manufacturing and the iteration of physical products, both of these routes culminate into the point where the stories and the games are ready with the AR And the physical product is ready with the stress testing and ink testing and safety testing has been done. And we combine them into a beautiful packaging with the marketing team coming together to put together the right marketing message on the product and for the creatives on the social to launch it across.
2: And uh, like you would typically your supply chain would start with China first because they are more mature in terms of developing new modes and probably perfect that there and then. Later on, it starts coming to India. Exactly.
0: You nailed it. I think for us, it just takes about two to three months to perfect the right mold and the right shape, form factor there. And then we recreate it in India. Is the new cycle. We want to do more in India, but I think we will experiment it slowly. We have already cracked the rest of it in India, but for now we are are doing the initial part in China.
2: Okay. What is the cycle from Thinking of a product to its launch in the market, like from shipping, thinking to shipping. like For a physical product, which on an existing
0: platform, it's about five months, I would say. But we don't do a single product. So our team is versatile enough to think about three to four products in battle. So in an year, we have capability to launch about 10 products. Last year, we launched 10 products. In a, but if it's a platform, like a new platform like Tacto, that's a complete nine to 12 month cycle. So start from thinking about the platform itself to launching of the platform. Yeah, so TACTO, we started thinking in 2020 holiday season when logo became a big hit and we knew that this platform design is working. Now, uh, we wanted to create another platform. So we were super ambitious that single platform is not going to cut it. We need variety. And when we saw the success model of every other toy company in the world, uh, breadth of portfolio is one big factor, right? You can't really become a big brand if you have 5 or 10 products. You need to have 30, 40 products in the portfolio. So for us to create 40 products on Plogo would again become very constraining. So we can create, think of 20 products on Plogo, but we need to come up with another physical platform, which gives us a very different interaction paradigm for us to create another 20 SQs, which are very different. So we started coming up with different designs for a platform, which is very different than Plogo. We had already used back camera and front camera in Orbutel and Plogo. So we didn't want to use a camera-based interaction this time. So we started looking at different sensors that are there inside the devices to come up with the next interaction merging of physical and digital worlds. So we looked at mic, we looked at speaker, we looked at gyro, uh, we looked at accelerometer, and created a bunch of prototypes. Some of them are so promising that we might end up using in our next set of platforms. But the touch screen and touch interaction without touching the screen itself became a big hit when we created a prototype. So. For us to create that DJ kind of experience where you have a dialer which kind of controls the music. Imagine that dialer being a toy piece and each dialer being different. When you put that toy piece, if iPad can recognize which piece has been put, iPad cannot recognize between the two fingers, whether it's an index finger or a second finger. But if you can create a system where it can determine whether it's an index finger versus second finger and create a lightning wave on index finger... And create a, a fire particles or fire system for the second one. That just becomes magical for kids, All right. So that's what we kept ended up innovating. Created small toys pieces which are figurines like chess pieces, and ability for iPad to recognize what has been placed on it and create a digital experience around it. That's what the Tacto at the core is. It's a board gaming system where the awesome. iPad becomes the board of your chess or a ludo or checkers. The iPad is the board. The pieces are like you have in chess and Ludo. But these are specially designed pieces by us. They have a touch pattern at the bottom and they conduct static electricity from your hand to the screen. And when you place these pieces on the screen, the touch pattern is created and the iPad knows what has been placed. Our app knows what has been placed and it creates a digital play experience around it.
2: Okay, I want to try and understand this a little more. How does the app know which piece got placed, whether it was a queen that got placed or it was king or it was like like, uh, how do they differentiate your queen and a king on a typical chess set are
0: flat bases right they have a flat base at the bottom and they have the visual design of queen or king typically how you play chess is based on your visual sense which is eyes seeing the king shape you understand this is a king piece now the ipad cannot see the shape of the king on the top so it has to know something else so what we did was instead of the flat base at the bottom We created legs for the chess figurine, so king figurine. So there is three legs uh, at the bottom of king figurine and there are three legs at the bottom of queen figurine. But the triangle being created by the legs on the chess is different than the triangle being created by the queen figurine. The angles between the arms are different. Now when you place that, the iPad tells that three fingers have been placed here and three Mm. fingers have been placed here. But the triangle being Mm. formed by the three fingers are different and hence we are able to mm-hmm. di- differentiate.
2: Wow, amazing. That is such an elegant solution. Amazing, okay. And what are the use cases for this? Like chess, obviously I understand, like board where you can play with pieces of chess on your iPad and maybe more animation opportunities are there exactly. and maybe tips are there and stuff like that. Okay, what else? So we, the first two things was that took the traditional board games and converted it. So
0: we have noodle, uh snakes and ladder, And then chess, right? These are the board games that we first converted. Uh, Then we came up to our innovation, right? So we wanted to do new stuff. So one of the series is principle of light, right? So we have four pieces in that box. One is a laser, laser shooter. Another is a light torch. Another is a mirror and a prism. Only these four pieces come in a set. Now, when you place the laser figurine on the screen, a laser beam is casted out of this. And you can rotate it and you can increase the power using a button, right? Now you can place a mirror and bend this laser beam in any direction, and you can rotate the mirror to change the direction of the laser beam. So imagine a maze where you have to take a laser from one end to another end, and you are constantly placing mirrors to take a beam to the end. So this is mm. one of the examples of of set.
2: And we no, have multiple a, a sure. hands-on way of understanding physics. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Amazing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and
0: what else? Uh, yeah. So we have other sets, like for example, Tacto Dino, in which we have 10 dinos, most popular dinos that kids love. And when you place the dino, the digital 3D dino appears based on which figurine you placed. And you can move it around using this figurine. You can see it. And so games around dinosaurs. Another thing that we did, which is very unique, but meant for higher age group, 7 plus, was Tacto Electronics. So in Tacto Electronics, what we did was we took the usual components of an electronic set. The register, the capacitor, the battery, and we created those figurines, and we created a breadboard inside the game. So there's a story running, something is broken, breadboards open up. Now you can place register, capacitor, battery, you have a pen tool, you draw the pen and then hit play and see whether the circuit that you have created with basic electronics, whether that solves the puzzle inside the game or not. All of this without the uh, without destroying any component or electric shock, all of this with the physical component which look like actual components. So one and, of the examples and, was and. this.
2: Amazing. A- and um, these are on like unsupervised uh, learning products. Like you don't need a grown up there to help the kids. Amazing.
0: That's right, One of the examples I want to take was Tacto Doctor, which we just launched and it became an international phenomena. Right. So we recently won Toti Award. Toti is the toy yeah. of the year category, which is the biggest, it's an Oscar in our industry and TACTO doctor won it. Now, TACTO doctor set is a usual doctor set that you typically buy. All the same things that you have, BP and you have a thermometer, you have a scissor, measuring tape, all of that is there. But all of them are now working in TACTO. So when you place the BP figurine on the, on the TACTO app inside the doctor, a digital BP meter starts coming in and starts measuring the BP of a patient and that gives you that. Now you remove that, you put a the thermometer, reads the temperature of the character. Now you can take a medicine figurine and place the medicine, choose the, which medicine to give and give a medicine. So we enacted being a doctor, which you typically do via stories to the next level because we actually visualized it in the game and use actual figurines which doctors have. So became a huge
2: Amazing. App. Okay. Like what is today your channel? Have you gone to offline retail outside India or, or outside India is still like marketplaces?
0: No, we have gone big time actually. So we are now present in about 35 odd countries. all almost... All of them, our presence is retail first, physical retail first. So you take UK or or Nordics or European countries or you take Japan, South Korea or Middle East like Dubai. First, go with physical retail via the distributor channel where we find the right distribution partner who we go deep understanding of whether they have grown brands there. And then they place us in retail and we directly work with retail to place our products in the right manner so that the shelf Brand visibility is great, and that has been our driver in retail growth. So retail has grown really well, whereas online is something that we scaled pretty quickly between 2019 and 2020, and every year we have been adding products and figuring out ways to scale our online retail presence across the countries.
2: And what are you currently doing in terms of the marketing and branding side? Multiple efforts actually. now. so the
0: team is quite involved. We are 225 strong team across all verticals. So mature verticals going deeper into how. Brand marketing is supposed to happen, both organic ways as well as inorganic ways. We have partnered with a few celebrities last year as an experiment, which worked out really well. So we are formalizing our strategy of formally uh, getting a brand ambassador who can uh, help us spread our word out at a larger scale. US and India are the economies or the countries where we are self-present, we drive our own brand growth, while uh, most of the other countries, we are through a distribution-led model. So this is these are the countries where we are doubling down our brand growth presence on and figuring hmm. out both online as well as retail ways to, to grow.
2: Okay. And what kind of celebrities are these? Like like moms, uh, essentially
0: that, that category? Exactly. So last year we did experiments with moms, the Sanya, Mirza. And uh, so some of the ones which we initially experimented with, Kathy Nagel in the US. So very early experiments with minimal kind of investments. But, but just to see whether the following can create a, uh, an impact. So we did see an impact and, and want to formally do it in the right way now with uh, proper branding. These were more like organic posts uh, on Instagram to see followers and and
2: and see the fun. Yes, sir, do you have enough dry powder to spend on celebrity marketing? Did you raise so, more uh, funds?
0: So we did raise series B last year and we said them up series B 20 then mm-hmm. That's not an issue as such, but given the market external scenario and what's happening, we're dreading cautiously, making sure that we don't overspend and make sure that we oversee the winter before we double down on our strategy. So. Just spreading cautiously in terms of how to approach and grow accordingly.
2: Okay, you don't want to get a Shah Khan? I wouldn't for now. I'll probably wait out six months
0: and, and see. But yeah, Shah Khan is already associated with Baidu. So i would not go with that route, but probably a similar tactic once the market opens up and you figure out the right one. We want to connect with somebody who once, first of all, has, has to have a kid under, under eight, nine years of age. So that's our primary. You don't want to get a brand ambassador who doesn't have a kid in that age group. That's first connect. And uh, we want to formally actually, if they are evaluating, you want them to use it for three, four weeks and tell us whether they had an absolute stellar experience with that or not. Because that will come out in the way they express themselves. We want that to be all. Awesome. Uh, how
2: big is this opportunity that you are chasing? What is the size of the market here for a smart toy kind of a thing? Or We understand. So we connect ourselves
0: with the educational toys category. If you were to look at toy space in particular... Toy space is the most mature one. So, toy space and then there is edtech space. These are the two spaces, and the third is the gaming space. Because we touch all three spaces, we don't really connect too well with the gaming space because it's primarily meant for teenage and above. Tech space and the toy space is what we connect with. In edtech space, early learning, which is before age of ten, is actually relatively small, right? It's relatively small in the edtech space, but in the toy space educational toy as a category is the fastest growing category right so overall worldwide toy faces about 100 billion educational toys as a category is about 20 to 25 billion dollars but while toy is growing at three to five percent year on year educational toys are growing at 25 to 30 percent year on year so it's a massively expanding space and we believe we are pioneers of a very new interaction in that space which is still small in the education toy category But it can overtake in the next 5 to 10 years. Half of the educational toys might be digital in nature. And if that is happening, and we are one of the pioneers, we believe we have an opportunity for a billion-dollar revenue in, in, let's say, next 6 to 10 years. So that's uh, that's how we are looking at it.
2: Okay, amazing. Amazing. And you've been uh, amazingly capital-efficient compared to the Giants. You've raised a total of about... 30 odd billion dollars and you've already crossed that number in annual sales, which is remarkable in terms of the capital you efficiency. I
0: yeah, I think based out of India helped us a lot in the space. Whatever we have built, if you we were to build this out of the West, it would have taken us 7x more money. Just comparing pay s- salaries for every level, it's a 7x number. So yes, it, that is to our advantage and that's to every admi- every startup's advantage building out of India. But the what's missing is a sense of how to build for the globe, how to build for the user needs, which are global. Understanding the pin of the user needs, the core of the user needs, setting out of here in India is what you miss. And that's why you create local products, because you can connect with them so efficiently here in India. But you have to if you have to build out for globe. You have to
2: connect with the needs of, of global users. Okay, okay. Is there an uh, IP opportunity for the content you are creating? Could we see a Netflix series based on Shifu? characters. And what is the kind of IP you're creating? Tell me about that. Just give me an example of a fox who's trying to navigate his way and you need to solve math puzzles to help him navigate. But do you have any IP characters?
0: Yeah, very good point. So far, the IP that you've created is mostly on the tech stack that powers these interactions and making it work for old, very old-gen devices with low GPU and CPU. That was That's the core IP that you've created. In terms of content IP, since this age group is driven by Method One is the, the Peppa Pigs of the world, which is content IP. Other is the variability. Our strategy has been variability, right? So that Fox is one out of 30 characters that we have. Hence, there is no single character that has built up its stature. So we, unfortunately, so far are not in a space where the character IP is ready. But probably down the line, as we double down on scale and choose one of these characters to grow, we might be able to drive that. But for now,
2: no. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to the show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in the show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium.in. That's ad at t h e p o d i u m dot in.